Our second reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 to 33. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The word of the Lord. What occupies most of your prayer life? If we ask this, not just in this room, but outside of this room, what occupies the majority of your prayers? My guess is it would be our current problems and our most presenting needs in life. We're praying, and when we pray, we pray for God to protect us or provide for us. We're praying for help on a daily basis. And you know what? That's not wrong. Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, which we're looking at this week, last week, and the weeks to come, Jesus invites us to pray for our most immediate needs, even the most basic ones. So there he is in the middle of teaching the disciples how to pray, and, and the first petition for us is this, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. It's so simple. But if you were a first century person listening to Jesus, it was not just simple, it was critical. Right? The first century culture was primary agricultural, agrarian society. They had no savings, no investments, no liquid, no cash. So if you had a season of drought, your meals next month might not be present. And on top of people who had land and were agrarians, you had day laborers. Jesus talks about them in several of his par parables. A day laborer was basically like an average worker, but you know how they got paid? They got paid at the end of the day. You worked, and then you got paid. So what did that mean if you were sick that day? If you had the flu? If you got injured at work? If you couldn't go to work, you didn't get paid. If you didn't get paid, you might not eat the next day. You didn't make a lot of money, you made enough for that day. When Jesus invites the people listening to him to pray for their daily bread is a very real and acute need he is addressing. It's also a great condescension of God, and I mean that in the right sort of way, in this sense. When Jesus is teaching us how to pray, he starts off like this, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he goes on to give us this day our daily bread. What's remarkable about this is how, 
how Jesus teaches us to move from the glory and greatness of God and not just to get stuck on that, but to say, okay, it's okay to bring him your daily needs. London and Welsh preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones talked about this when he said, it is amazing that the creator and sustainer of the universe, considering the first half of the Lord's Prayer, should be prepared to consider your little needs and mine, even down to the minutest detail. Richard Foster, in his book on prayer, notes, Jesus occupied himself with the trivialities of humankind, wine for those celebrating, food for the hungry, rest for the weary. He welcomes us with our thousand and one trifles, for they are important to him. And if you were here last week when we were talking about hallowing and the kingdom and the will of God, what's amazing is this. The glorious, hallowed Lord of the universe, whose kingdom is coming, is concerned with what I'm going to have for lunch. Because I know I am. And he's concerned with what I'm concerned with. He is the great Lord. And he loves and cares for every one of our needs, even the smallest of them. And it's not just bread that Jesus is talking about. That word bread meant your daily sustenance. There was ways that bread was used metaphorically to talk about, I, I'm just going to survive. These are what I need to survive. And so what this means then when you say, give us this day our daily bread, is everything that you need for physical, emotional, and social well-being. Everything that it means to be human, food and clothes and shelter, our need for mental health, to be able to learn, to grieve, to laugh, to think, to make decisions. When we have needs relationally for friends, when we're struggling with our families, all of this, bring it all to the Lord. And when we pray this prayer for daily bread, it's an embrace of this life. It's an embrace of this creation. It has nothing to do with escaping this world to get to the next. It's everything about how God created us for work and for play and for rest, to eat, to grow, for relationships, and that's okay. Live into this world, not in Eastern religions where you try to detach from your hungers, but recognize that even your basic hungers are a part of God and how he has created us. And this world is something to be embraced and to live into as well as we can. Give us this daily bread as an affirmation of our humanity and calls us to live into it and bring every one of our needs to God. But as I was reflecting on this very section in the Lord's Prayer, something came to my mind that a couple of other commentators picked up as well, which is, okay, but what about those who pray this and it's not answered? What about the very, very poor? Where is God with their bread? And I struggled with it as I was looking through this passage. And just a couple of things to note on that. First, praying, give us this day our daily bread, and not actually getting daily bread if you're starving, does not mean a lack of faith. Now, that may seem silly, but it's not, it needs to be stated. God not answering your prayers the way you want, even when it's a necessity, does not mean that you lack faith. 
And while many of us say that's true, we know that, we still carry it into our own prayers, right? How come I'm not married and I keep praying for it? Did I pray the wrong way? It's because of my sin. How come God didn't heal him when I prayed for it? I can even remember conversations with Christians where you're wrestling with how to even pray, like, okay, I prayed for him to be healed, so I shouldn't pray again because that would then mean lack of faith if I asked a second time. When you start getting into that sort of thinking of trying to figure out the right way to, like, nail it down, you're trying to think that faith is you making something happen. It becomes magic, not God. So, The poor, the suffering, those who do not have this basic prayer answered, it's not for lack of faith necessarily. The second is, and the commentators clarified this and gave me the out, is this is about prayer and how to pray, how to pray. The Lord's Prayer is about how to pray, not how prayer works or how God works. The Lord's Prayer doesn't deal with the sovereignty of God and the suffering of humanity. That's for things like the book of Job or some other passages that Jesus talks about. So in some ways, that gives me the out. I'm not going to address it today. And yet, if you are here and you are dealing with health problems, if you have suffered with extreme loneliness, with despair, if you are knowing what it is to lack bread or a job, I don't want to dismiss that. I am not trying to minimize your suffering by not hitting on it. I just know that I cannot do justice to your suffering and the questions that arise with a prayer like, give us our daily bread. But in a private conversation, maybe we can walk through that a little bit. Instead, what I want to look at this morning is what this prayer does offer us. And I think what praying for our daily bread as a part of our regular relationship with God is that it becomes the water and the sun cultivating our growth and fruitfulness. One of the first things that I've noticed is that prayer for daily bread deepens our relationship with God. Martin Lloyd-Jones in that same sermon later on said, we do not tell God things because he is not aware of them, We must think of prayer as a relationship, and the value of prayer is that it keeps us in touch with God, God who is self-existent, great, who is eternal, likes to hear us. Now, you think about this in any relationship that you're in, a friendship, a marriage, kids, there's a constant back and forth sharing your needs, expressing them, asking for help. And you take it for granted how this cultivates your relationship. But as an example, if one of my kids says, hey, can you fill up my water bottle? My ride's about to be here. I know what that means. He's going to practice. He needs a water bottle. He's on his way. So I now know that he is of age to play sports. I know a little bit about that he's heading off to practice, probably which sport he's playing. And it's just a simple, hey, can you get me a water bottle? Oh, he needs to go to practice. Now, I say that just to think, I take that for granted in daily life, but he's asking, I'm grabbing the water bottle, and in that interaction, it's actually that small little next thread of weaving our friendship, our relationship together, because I know something about him. We do this all the time in relationships where we share back and forth. And by saying, give us this day our daily bread, whatever our daily bread is, 
God is saying, I invite you to bring your need for a water bottle to me, to share with me the things that are going on in your life, to share yourself with me. God wants to hear from you. Praying for our daily bread is also a way to shape us. And I think probably most of us, if we're going to be honest, would say there's something about us we'd like to change and not just our appearance, but I'd like to be more patient or more generous, less anxious, less. And I think what Jesus would say is pray. Not just pray that you would be less patient, but in the process of praying, you will become. Praying for daily bread cultivates a dependence on God. That's our trust and our faith. And it cultivates our sense of gratitude. Contentment and generosity flow out of a sense of gratitude. So gratitude. Praying for daily bread cultivates a spirit of gratitude. When are you consciously thankful for your good health? It's not when you have it. It's when you haven't had it recently or someone you love doesn't have it or hasn't had it. When that lack of health is in your face, you become aware of how grateful you are when you do have health. I am generally not thankful for running water, for the bed I sleep on, or for a refrigerator and a stove. But a number of years back, when I was in college, I led wilderness trips in the Adirondacks, and we would go with backpacks for 10 days out into the wilderness. And then when we came back and the groups of kids that we were leading went off, we got to stay a night or two in our base camp. They were ramshackle buildings, but there was running water. There were terrible mattresses, but they were mattresses. And there was a rustic kitchen. And I remember being consistently so grateful when I got back that I didn't have to pump water or boil it, that I wasn't sleeping on a thin mattress on roots, that if, there, was, if there, there could be fruit that could be kept for a few days, meat in the fridge, we got to eat normally as I thought about it. And I remember being so grateful for a good 24 hours. And years later, I don't think about it at all. Why? Because it's always there. Mother Teresa tells the story about one evening, somebody coming to her and letting her know about a woman nearby who, whose family had no food. It was a single mom with multiple kids. So Mother Teresa took from the rice that they had that night and brought a bowl to the house. And the woman, whose children had had no food probably for a couple of days, took it, took half of it, put it in another bowl, and went next door and then came back and dished out to her kids and herself. She said that they don't have any food either. And you see, when you're very aware of your neediness and your lack, when you do have anything, you become incredibly grateful and generous. It increases your empathy with other people who are suffering. It increases your willingness to give out to those who are also struggling. Thankfulness and gratefulness shape us into the way we live. But what does that mean for those of us who have everything? 
For those of us who live in Northern Virginia, who are doing pretty okay financially, whose fridges are always full, it means that we're probably always taking things for granted. We're either discontent, wanting more, needing something better, something newer, and we're self-reliant. We don't see the very basic things as gifts from God. And that's why in Psalm 104, you get the order of what goes on. In Psalm 104, the psalmist is recounting God's provision for all of creation. He goes on for multiple verses talking about all the good things God has done, all the great things He has provided. And then what's his response to this as he recounts everything God has done? His response is, may the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. See, when you take time to recount what God has done, which is what he did in the previous 30 verses, you end up responding in praise, in thanks, in blessing God's name, in lifting up his name, in meditating on him, in recognizing your need and dependence on him. It creates a grateful and joyful spirit. Praying for our daily bread causes reflection on God's provision, which then results in thanks and praise to him. And when you actually have gratitude to God, a continual gratitude to God, it not only increases your love for God, your affection and experience of Him, but it actually fosters a spirit of generosity towards others and with our resources. When you cultivate gratitude towards God, it fosters a spirit of generosity with our resources and towards others. What's the opposite of being generous? Well, we think maybe a stingy person, right? And we could categorize a stingy person like, why might you be stingy in life? It could be because you're greedy and you want more, but I think you can also find that many stingy people are just fearful. They're fearful that they're not going to have enough, that they're going to run out. And that fear drives them to grip tighter on their money and to try to control everything when it comes to their resources. Or you could be stingy because you are self-reliant, which is probably nearly every one of us in the room. When you're self-reliant, it goes like this. I work, I earn a paycheck, and I deserve it. To the extent that that crosses your mind with why you have what you have, or that underlies your assumptions, it will affect your generosity towards others. Because instantly you'll create a category that shouldn't exist called the deserving poor right? I worked for my money. I earned it. Some people, you know, they've fallen on their luck. I understand bad stuff has happened to them. I'll give to them, but I want to be able to choose who I give to because I know some people have made dumb choices. Some people have ruined their own lives. Why should I give to them? And there's a whole lot of assumption there about things we actually have no control over. Self-reliance, trusting in myself, a lack of gratitude to God can lead towards stinginess. Another opposite of generosity is a critical person. Why might you be a critical person? My take is this. Most people who are very critical in nature have ungrateful and lack of thanksgiving spirits already. 
they have a sense of deserving what they have, an assumption that I, I, this is, I, I deserve this stuff. They're not thankful and grateful. And so as a result, when we go down that road, we tend to assume the worst about people. And we have to, because their competition, their competition for our place, for, for being praised, anybody else is going to be competition, we have to cut them down. Even if not externally, at least in our own heads. When we are ungrateful, we become more and more self-consumed, and we lack the empathy or compassion that the poor mother in the Mother Teresa story had. And that's why we pray for daily bread, because in praying for our basic needs, we acknowledge God's role in even the most simple of things. We are acknowledging our neediness on every level and increasing our gratitude to God. Praying for daily bread cultivates a gratitude towards God that lives out in how we approach the rest of life. It also cultivates dependence and trust in God. In modern life, think about how far from worry of daily necessities most of us are. How far from that first century, if I don't get paid today, I won't have food tomorrow, way of thinking most of us live. And yet, Has all of our wealth and bounty minimized our anxieties about our jobs, our future, our money, or anything else, our health, our kids, our house? And you know, as we walk through that process of worrying, it has an impact on our spiritual life and all aspects of life. When you're in a process of worrying and anxiety, it It affects intimacy with the Lord, assurance of God's love for you. It affects your relationships with others. Everything suffers. Worry robs us of joy, of peace, of hope, the very things God promises to give us. And anxiety and fear also isolates us. When we are filled with worry, we feel like no one gets it. No one else is going to understand me. And what's often at the root of worry? It's our independent and self-reliant nature. Again, think about it. In spite, in spite of all that we seem to be able to control in daily life, right? Everything that you seem to be able to control in daily life. What did I do? What did you do to be born in the 21st century and not in the Middle Ages when the Black Plague struck? What did I do to be born in America and not South Sudan? I contributed a lot to that one. What did I do to have my family as my parents, my family of origin? What did I do to get these great genetics? I mean, so many things are out of our control, and yet we live as if we've got it all under control. It's all us. Look, you can go the atheist route and say it's just random, or you can go the God route and say it's God. But there's no place for the you or the me. What really can we control? This prayer of praying for daily bread is a way of daily cultivating our reliance on God 
recognizing His sovereignty. It's cultivating trust and dependence on Him and casting our cares upon Him. It's what Jesus calls us to do in Matthew chapter 6. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount, just after He's talked about how to pray, He talks about our anxieties and worries. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? Do not be anxious. You have a heavenly Father. God provides for the birds, the flowers. He cares for and wants to provide for you. And then he goes on, closing out this section. Instead of anxiety and worry, do this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek God's kingship in your life, his glory and his will more than your own. And God will give you what you need. He will give you what you need, with need being defined by Him. But in all these prayers, whether it's seeking God or give us our daily bread, we need to remember God is not a divine vending machine. You know, if you go to church, say the Lord's Prayer twice a day, you'll get what you want. Rather, what happens is as you are praying, as you are in that process of praying, as you're seeking God in prayer and in your life, what you find is that your will begins to align with His desires. What you want and what you're primarily after becomes the very things He's looking for in your life. You know, those who I've found who seek God first are the ones who are most prepared to suffer and when they lack in life because they have cultivated a relationship of trust and intimacy with God, not that's built on anxiety about the next moment. Praying for daily bread releases our grip and fear and worry because I'm bringing all my anxieties and insecurities to God each and every day. But in praying, give us our daily bread or seeking God first, it doesn't mean passivity. It doesn't mean just sit back and wait. God, I pray for some food, so I'm going to lie on this couch and wait for you to bring it. The examples that Jesus gives and that the psalmist give are that of God provides, but the bird actually goes out and hunts. God provides the fields, but the man cultivates them into food. It doesn't mean passivity, passivity, sorry, but praying this way and seeking God first does mean to not live anxiously about anything, to not live burdened by fear and worry. In praying my needs, my daily needs, I'm expressing my dependence, and that is the root of faith. Saving faith is admitting my inability and my lack and trusting in the mercies of God alone. Saving faith is admitting where I am short and depending on Him alone. And ultimately, praying for daily bread 
is actually meant to point us to our Creator and the greater hunger that He has given us. Each of us has a hunger deeper than real bread and is for true bread. The Bible points us to this again and again. The Bible points to bread as a way to have us look at God's love and salvation for His people. Think about the story of Exodus and the manna that God provides, right? There's Israel delivered in salvation out of slavery in Egypt, and then they're hungry, and God gives them bread for that day called manna. And then the next day they gather bread again, and the next day they gather bread again. And for 40 years, they are trusting each and every day for God to provide life to them. A thousand years later, Jesus is walking around, and a bunch of people are gathered out in the wilderness, and they're hungry. And he feeds 5,000 miraculously. He's doing a new exodus, a new manna thing. And the next day, the people are hungry for bread again. They're like, hey, those sandwiches, that fish and bread, those were great. Where do we get more filet of fish for free from you, Jesus? Come on, bring them out again. And Jesus then corrects them, said in John chapter 6, the way it's recorded there, do not work for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life. Most of our life is spent seeking after food that perishes. Jesus interprets it the right way and says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Our deepest hungers need more than food. Our deepest hungers need more than food. And it's why on the Last Supper, Jesus is celebrating a Passover meal. He took bread, he broke it. That bread was representing manna, God's provision. He takes bread and breaks it and says, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. And what he's saying to the disciples is, I, I am the true Passover meal. I am the one that the manna 40, for 40 years pointed to. I am what you really need to sustain you. I am the true gift from heaven, the one that will keep your soul and life eternally. In Jesus' invitation for us to pray, give us our daily bread, we are assured. We are assured that God wants to hear us, that he is loving and generous and cares about this life and wants a relationship with us. We get the idea that God actually does care and wants to give us food if we are hungry friends for the lonely, hope for the despairing. But as we read through this prayer, we also need to see that it's pointing to Jesus, to what God really wants to give us, to feed us with the only bread that truly gives life, Jesus, his son. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And give each of us this day our daily bread. God, there are people in this room who are hungering for food and friends and healing, and we pray that you would meet that need. Many of us are oblivious to our need, and I pray that you would cultivate 
a gratitude and dependence. And all of us need the true bread. Give us faith in your Son so that we may be satisfied. Amen.